five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Home podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. This is Chris at LifeWorks, the guy with the voice, back in the saddle of your favorite podcast. Join virtually by Omni at OmniStrike and Sam at another Sam Chan. Gentlemen, did you miss me? Uh, Very, very much, because we, we're just guys with a voice, not the voice, so... Definitely an improvement. <laughs> it's true. I've just been working out like slime since you've been gone. <laughs> like eating red licorice and like bowls of like green tea ice cream or whatever it is. No, they, they sent out a tweet today showing slime, slime at the gym. That's right. I saw that. Yeah. It, like, is that like uh, a staged picture? Do you think? Or do you think it was actually, you know, pumping the iron? I don't know. It looks like uh, he did, but oddly, he has his like uniform on. I'm not sure if that's like <laughs> comfortable to work out in. I, as far as I am concerned, all the Titans do is wear their uniforms every like, time, and they always say like they don't, but it's just for the video or just for the photo. But we know they are. Actually, you know the the most recent video, and we'll maybe talk about it a little bit later. The one that gives you know Omni more love. Like, okay, first and foremost, I go on a freaking cruise. And you're now like the top cat or whatever it is on the podcast. Uh, official term is the coolest cat. The coolest cat on the podcast. And they're giving you love in a Titans Tales video. Like, oh, <laughs> what can I say? how much more money do I need to pay you to keep you on the podcast? Well, you, you get the voice. I get everything else. <laughs> Anyhow, um, the that video they didn't actually have their jerseys on is what i was going to actually get <laughs> they wore them underneath their shirts maybe yeah exactly um as far as this podcast is concerned however uh we are coming to you spoiler alert after the vancouver titan lost in a stage two final it's a strange world we live in now i i, I actually I, I didn't know what to do. It's like, what is this? So do they keep going? Like, I, I know the other team got four wins, but it must be like first to five. Like, I, <laughs> that's how I, I took it. Uh, we'll talk about who that other team is like you don't already know. Um, we'll also spend a little time talking a little bit about the rest of the stage two playoff, how things panned out. I think there weren't any too, too big surprises. Uh, it's all-star week. You know, that's pretty exciting. Like a few moves, uh, grand final announcement, trading cards, new map, all sorts of stuff. But let's uh, let's dive directly into the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. I'm going to start by talking about how I really enjoyed how when you were talking in the last payload, how Sam continued to have to bring Omni and, and, and Michael back to talk about the Titans and not get into what was going on with the rest of the playoffs and who would beat what. And at one point I actually was confused because it sounded like you guys had like the Titans losing early. And then Sam goes and say, well, wait a minute, lose to who? Oh, okay. No guys, this, that's the fray. We're talking about the Titans here. <laughs> Would you want us to talk about the Dallas matchup? Okay, well, <laughs> you, you saw how that turned out. I don't remember a thing about the Dallas matchup to be completely honest. Oh, gosh. Well, for those that uh, don't remember thing, the fact that the Titans had to beat Dallas 3-0 
seemed to be the most effort. It was funny because the, like, I, I missed the match live. I was actually mm-hmm. at a white cast match. So I watched it uh, once I got home. And I remember messaging in our Discord saying, oh, my God, the Titans look bored. Like, yeah. I, there's one, if there's one thing that will take away forever from this game is that uh, bumper hog for, for kill uh, stall on King's Row. That was probably the hypest this game ever got. It was, oh, yeah, bumper, bumper hog. I mean, it was, to use your term, Omni, uh, bumpers mystery heroes in a match that actually still mattered. Like, they needed to to functionally get the hold to prevent that from potentially influencing things uh but again just to recap the titans won 2-0 on um oasis they won 3-2 on uh, king's row north and uh, they won one nil on anubis we're talking like full hold yeah um that followed uh quad dps display from the titans well, I want to actually talk about quad DPS in in real context a little bit later. But one mm-hmm. of the things that that uh, and I can't remember was it, it might have been Yomni that had said in the last episode. How happy was Dallas to see that the Vancouver Titans, due to the way the structure of playoffs work, were the third seed and not number two? Depends on what they were planning to do after the playoffs. I mean, if they have like a vacation planned or something like that, that that'd be pretty nice. <laughs> they had to celebrate Mother's Day. Yeah, they they had a good uh, stage. They had their uh, homestead and all that. So what can you do? It really felt like two different levels of uh, of teams. And they, despite what, I I don't know, they ran goats. That's basically could be the entire summary of this series. They played goats against the Titans. And as we've seen, there's really only one other team that can play goats. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, but oh, sorry, you're gonna say something? No, just the Dallas game. They had like fights where they got one, two picks. It didn't really matter. Well, they couldn't stabilize anything. No, and and even like the casters were trying to like hype up the fuel, but you knew that the Titans were gonna come out of every team fight successfully. Um, again, they they looked. They looked bored. It was like, okay, Friday night. Well, well, we're going to play tomorrow. Um, and in Dallas, they just look like, oh my God, what, what, did, yeah. what have we run into? Yeah. That, that um, animation, uh, victory animation against Dallas that they have where they just like <laughs> put out that little, uh, I think it's a match with the fingers. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. The uh, rest of the, uh, well, I guess you would call them, quarterfinal matches uh, panned out as such. The San Francisco Shock lost their map streak because uh, they lost a map to the Shanghai Dragons. Something that Sam like called out early in the podcast. He's like, no, nah, the Dragons are going to take a map. Yeah. and I pay attention. I watch all the games. And the Dragons, <laughs> I, I, I actually want to talk a little bit about this match. They should have actually taken more than just one map. So if uh, you do happen to not watch this match, the the Dragons took it to the San Francisco Shock hard and should have won Paris. Like they had gone two two, they're in OT, and Shanghai should have had an overtime a hold. They had it in the bag, but San Francisco pulls it, com- you know, completely out of the darkness. 
and then steamroll 4-2. And you could tell that the Dragons were just gutted at that point, uh, losing uh, on Rialto 3-1. But imagine if the Dragons had not only pulled that first map on Oasis, but that second map on Paris, going up 2-1 in a first to three. Would Rialto maybe have been a little more intense? I still think the Shock win it. I, I, they, they are a strong team, but wow. If Shanghai had pulled two maps, let me tell you, panic abound. Yeah, losing two maps would have been a bit uh, rough on them. I think that might have like destabilized them, but losing one and getting that like thing out of the way of being concerned about having a clear stage, I think uh, ultimately helped them out a little bit going into, you know, through the playoffs. I I, I talked about uh, a few times that I think they're, like, f- focusing on that record uh, might come back to bite them, but mm. obviously it didn't. Shanghai played well. I was impressed. I, I'm pretty sure they can't wait until, to, until we receive uh, confirmation about those rumors about the meta blocking, but we can talk <laughs> about it later. Yeah. They, have, they have good talent on that team, especially in DPS roles. The, uh, yeah, I, I really like Shanghai actually, even since the since the beginning of the season. But the the reason I was so adamant that they would take a map is because if you think about it, the best thing that could have happened to Shanghai was them playing to shock just before the season ended, and it was a four zero, but but it was it was a closer than you know a stomp. Yeah, and and if you imagine it, playing the same team seven times in a row. I mean, these are professional gamers. I think it's very hard to lose seven times to the same people doing the same things. Um, just generally speaking, right? Of, of course, it does happen, but like consecutively, just just imagine like anybody out there, whatever the level is, they're playing with the same people seven times, and it's supposed to be at a similar <laughs> level. Um, it's very hard to to lose all of those. So, so I mean, kudos to the shock for for taking over, but but Shanghai are for real. The Hangzhou Spark took the London Spitfire down three one. Um, arguably, you could say this was a surprise, but really, London had a. Mm, I was going to say they had a decent stage, but they, you know, did get ma'am twice. Uh, and then you had the, the glads get rolled by the Excelsior three Oh, which then set up the New York versus Vancouver matchup that everyone has been waiting for. The one that we hyped as being the stage one final. And did, did that actually end up being as good of a match as, as people had thought like the Titans won for one. But if you listen to the analysts, they were saying, Oh, the four one doesn't actually, you know, give Excelsior justice. It was, it was a lot closer than the four one score. I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, sure. The Titans uh, beat the Excelsior twice, three, two, both on Hanamura and as well in Rialto. Yes. The Titans had to beat them two one on Busan. Yes. The Titans had to beat them two one on Li Zhang. but when they were playing the, the Excelsior, even after losing three, one on blizzard world, which I just want to talk about the Titans approach on blizzard world in a moment, those matches while score is close, never felt as if Vancouver didn't have control or control their own destiny. Like they seem to me to be playing more with New York than New York was actually playing the Titans. Maybe the, the, the thing that they uh, like 
saw in the matches, like despite us beating them in most maps and, and most battles, it felt to me at least like some of the battles when we didn't go uh, the, the, the weird DPS comps when it was goats versus goats, at least to me, it felt like the fights were pretty darn drawn out. So it felt like uh, a lot, lots of ultimates were used. And I think just the NYXL playing a bit more collected and a bit more, well, like we always like to say that, a surgical approach. So they didn't fall apart as quickly as some other teams would. They're not as good as the Titans are, the Shock are, uh, especially when you consider now uh, the aggro goats to be like the best method. But when they play defensive, it takes a while to break them down. It takes a while, but maybe that's what, what we saw. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think... New York was as good. Jonak, despite his, uh, you know, confidence in that post-game interview, like, oh, uh, we don't even know why they're undefeated. Uh, he didn't really play that well, in my opinion, this uh, game. They they needed him to pull off some Jonak moments, Jonak plays. And I think this is the first time that we're in NYXL are entering a match as not, like, uh, the clear-out favorites. So maybe that was... The difficulty for them, they usually, I don't know, usually they just, you know, lose to lesser opponents. But when they step up <laughs> to somebody who's bigger than them, maybe it doesn't. You mean when they them. lost and nobody criticized them for, for choking again? Yeah. Now, how, how do you face the fact that you actually lost to like a team and it's be- and the team is better than you? Only Mono played really well, I think. Other than that, they couldn't keep up. Support line wasn't as good. Uh Surprisingly, I was actually kind of impressed a little bit by NYXL because they like up till then there was a lot of talk about the difference of styles, right? But right. NYXL actually came out a lot more aggressive than yeah. than I expected, and they and they were taking it to them. Um, and so so it was interesting in that sense. Um, in my personal opinion, having watched now you know a ton of Titans matches, I didn't really feel like it was their best showing. Um, especially, especially on, I think it was Blizzard World, right? Where, where yeah. not so much that they they lost, but I think it was on their. I can't remember now. It's been too many matches, but it was either their attack or defense where they didn't get a single kill. Like that was shocking to me. Oh, it was on their. Uh, it was on their defense. They, yeah, they, it was on their defense. Yeah, they couldn't it was just. They couldn't put anything together to hold New York, and New York was just snowballing nonstop. It wasn't until really the third point where the Titans finally were able to slow them down, but still, uh, on Blizzard World, it was as if the Titans had forgotten to show up. And then on the Titans' attack, they go and roll out quad DPS. Yep. (laughs) Now, I, I get that Blizzard World, especially when you're attacking that first point, provides that quad DPS opportunity, but I don't quite get why Vancouver decided this would be the map that they'd go and do that on. And we're going to talk a little bit about this into the final. I'm curious, are the Titans flexing these DPS styles and in early matches or in matches that still have meaning because they've been hearing nonstop how they're the quote unquote one trick goats team. Like, are they, are they actually maybe being influenced to some respect and showing that they can adapt. I mean, we've been talking about how they have the potential to adapt to in a changing meta. Yeah. And and again, I'm not necessarily saying that coming out with quad DPS is the wrong choice. It's just very odd that you 
you've sort of you've you've gotten rolled on on the New York attack, and now you're going to come out and do something different. Like why not settle down? And we saw them actually at halftime settle the f down. It was yeah. quite clear they came out an entire different team. So that question that I ask is it possible the Titans have been influenced by the nonstop? They're only a one trick. You want to take this one first or yeah, you can take it away. So I, I have a theory and, um, uh, I'm trying not to use my basketball references. So, so I'll use <laughs> hockey, right? So, so generally speaking in the off season, whatever team you're cheering for players work on stuff, right? Like they'll, they'll add a slap shot. They'll, they'll add, you know, a new wrist or whatever. Um, and they work on it over and over and over and over again. And then, you know, when, in the, when the season comes along, that's when they show off what they've been working on, right? Like they, they got this new trick up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you, can, you can take this across any, any sport. It doesn't really matter. The, the same example applies. So when we take a look at the quad DPS, I legitimately think it's something that they've practiced and they've practiced a lot. And my, my theory on this is not so much that they're trolling or they're trying to prove the one triggers. I think they, that any professional sports team in any league, their goal is to win. Um, so, so despite, you know, all the haters or, or people calling them one check, like whatever, like as per, when you get to that level of gamer, you're that competitive and your goal is to win. Um, so I don't really buy for a second that it's because, you know, all the, the anti fans are saying like, yo, these guys are just one trick and they're not the best in the world. I actually think that they, here's where the word comes in again from, from last week when we were talking about it. I actually think they got bored. I think that they went through another undefeated stage and, and not really being challenged. And it's not so much that they got complacent, but in the same way that, you know, how sometimes people can, can work out too much and get injured. They, they decided to try it. It's like, okay, how can we improve? How can we be better as a team? So that's why they flexed out to the quad DPS because, because they thought they were the best goats team in the world and arguably still are. And they needed to keep on improving. So that's where the, the quad DPS came out. It's like, okay, well, how do we keep on improving? We got to flex out. Bumper's practicing Hanzo nine hours a day now. Um, and like, I just, I just don't believe for a second that they would roll out Bumper like that without him practicing it a ton, like without them being comfortable, not, not just as like a, a, a like map four kind of yeah. throwaway thing. Right. But it is an actual strat. Um, so, so that's my theory. I don't know what your guys thoughts are on that. I think I have a couple of things to say about that. First of all, that notion that the Titans are a one trick goats team is really incorrect. They just play tons of goats because they're the best at it. I would consider a team like Dallas uh, that despite being, you know, outmatched and the quality of goats would still insist on playing goats. Pretty ridiculous. But when they, like you said, when they play goats, it's not like it's really mystery heroes. We always joke that it is, but it's not. They have Twilight always on the Widow. They have uh, Summon Sue, I believe, always on the Sombra. They have uh, Hanzo, Bumper. And there is a structure there. They always go back to that same um, comp. And when we saw in Hanamura, uh, NYXL surprised us by going triple DPS in their time bank, I think. We kind of uh, up one-upped them by going that quad DPS. And it was really, really effective. Uh, hmm. Bumper got that crucial pick on Nene. Uh, then we already had the EMP and we won the map like this. So I, I don't think it's a meme comp. I think, yeah, because like the evidence is that they are playing the same roles, the same heroes. So I think there's a lot of uh, 
positives there. I mean, Janu, we know he's the, the best uh, ball on our team, Hammond. Uh, Twilight is constantly getting picked. Well, obviously, we pulled it out only against like weaker opponents or we had just the time bank while the other team didn't have any uh, time at all. But now we saw it effectively uh, working against a team like NYXL in the playoffs. So maybe there is something to it. And, I, you know, Sam, you brought up the point, like, you know, they come out and they've definitely been practicing and, and Omni, what you're saying. Yeah. There's structure there. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that's a meme comp on, uh, I mean, you look at it's social, you look at discord, there's people that are trying to suggest that the Titans were taking the NYXL for granted after winning just the first map. I don't think the Titans were taking the NYXL for granted on blizzard world. It's just, it confused me that they would go all in to quad DPS on that map when you've, you were unsettled. And I guess maybe the other side of the coin is maybe they wanted to shake things up just to get whatever nerves they had, you know, out of their system, knowing that they were going to go into halftime, knowing that at worst that they were going to have uh, a, a map versus map draw. So, uh, you know, we, we saw success on, on Hanamura. Um, it was quite clear that the Titans were able to go and, and use DPS as their friend. We're going to talk about DPS coming back out again, so I, I was just curious again. It's just odd in my mind that Blizzard World was where we saw that roll out. Um, Rialto Titans won Rialto, and why you know the Excelsior would think to choose that map behooves me. Uh, and then Titans won two one on uh, on Lijang Tower. Yeah, it was a close map. I think the turning point there there was like uh, it, it it worked. I think. Two or three times where Bumper just hid behind the payload and shattered the entire team. Mm-hmm. And he comboed with Jano and was a good... And, and NYXL couldn't recover from that. They just rolled him uh, using, you know, snowball. They snowballed him on that map because of that play. The uh, other match, uh, <laughs> the Shock versus the Spark, uh, people thought that this one was going to be a fair fight. Uh, the Shock rolled them 4-0. Uh, we had a two o, a three o, a full hold, and Hanamura for a one o, and then the spark suddenly showed up, uh, and they lost four three uh, to uh, the shock on map four, which happened to be Watchpoint Gibraltar. I was quite shocked, pardon the pun, <laughs> that the spark couldn't do anything here. They actually had a good showing only to like concede to San Francisco. It was again, very weird. So final Sunday, San Francisco shock versus the Vancouver Titans. This is a rematch of the stage one final that we saw go seven maps in a back and forth battle. That was a phenomenal event for the overwatch league to showcase itself. It was another relatively phenomenal event between two powerhouse teams. I think for argument's sake, anyone who says shock is number one can barely be discounted by people saying the Titans who are number one, who can be discounted by the people saying shock that are number one. You are two top tier teams. And at no time did it appear that the Titans would be out of it or the shock would be out of it. It was back and forth. I was talking to Sam uh, offline and I had mentioned how the way the Titans played seemed to be that they were off and that's not discounting the shock who played phenomenally well, but had the Titans been on, I think this goes seven 
And I still think it's possible to go either way. It would be a coin flip. Uh, how much might that have to do with the fact that on the previous day, we learned that Janu had apparently had some bad fire noodles. You know, <laughs> he was a little upset. Uh, like a uh, bumper looked like he was off. They had this weird strat as well, where they were splitting Haxel off to the side and, and it, kind of looked like Hoxel was freelancing a little bit, but San Francisco took advantage of that. If they weren't busy melting bumper, they were ensuring that the Titans lost a support. And ultimately the, the Titans did lose to the San Francisco shock four two. Uh, they got just dominated on, on Lee Jang tower control. Didn't really stand a chance. The Titans then won Kings row North, uh, the Paris map one nil full hold the Titans rolling out quad. Yeah. They rolled out quad DPS or was it Quint DPS on pair? I think it was quad. It was yeah. Quad, yeah. And solo heal And San Francisco is like whiskey tango Foxtrot. Like they did not expect that at all. Yeah. And then things fell apart. The San Francisco shock one, four, three on watch point Gibraltar. Uh, watch point Gibraltar is not a good map for the Titans simply because was- they take so long between spawn and first point it was the turning point i think mentally for for both teams yeah. and then controls shock one two oh on oasis titans again didn't seem to have an answer and lizard world was an odd pick in my mind for the titans now that said as far as odd picks are concerned i was surprised the shock picked paris over anubis and, you know, I know in, in Discord, there were those that were suggesting, ah, you know, the Shock were lucky to have won on Anubis. But I think we it's safe to say the Titans seem to have trouble on Anubis, uh, not so much on the attack, but on, on defense. Like, they can, they can stretch, they can stretch, but they bend far too much. Paris, however, was just completely crazy. The Blizzard world map, though, the Titans had one fights or what potentially should have been one fight somehow come out as a loss. Like even on the final fight, uh, supers being segregated. He has absolutely no health and somehow comes back into the fight. Uh, and Haxall is the one who dies. You have super with an epic counter shatter yep. out of nowhere. And the Titans fell apart. Now, Obviously, I think to a, a person on the podcast, we're probably a little bit sad that the Vancouver Titans lost, but could there be the silver lining at one? This just sets up the stage three final. Two, now that the Titans have lost a match, it takes some of the pressure that San Francisco previously had with their map streak that they no longer have to worry about. But three, I'm a firm believer that a little adversity sometimes can go a real long way at making you a better team. Definitely. It, we already know by now that the Overwatch League is an anime, and this is the point <laughs> where the hero gets his ass handed to him, and, and you got to step it up, you got to train, you got to come back from it. And, and this is the place in the story where you go back and you grind it out and you come back stronger than ever. And and the Titans, despite of how we know them in the Overwatch League, uh, when we go back a little bit to contenders, they weren't always like a you know a, a perfect record uh, team or always won their matches. They always came back stronger after having those soul crushing losses. And we talked about a lot when we beat 
uh, San Francisco in the last uh, matchup, how important those losses are to a team to build character. And, 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 and you can, you could tell from the body language and how we saw a bumper there at the end, I think it was crying, how impactful and emotional that pain was. They actually cared so much about this game in the end though. Yeah, like you said, most battles were really, really um, close. But San Francisco, they approached this game, unlike NYXL, we talked about it. They knew that they were kind of the underdogs. Um, San Francisco knew that this is their chance. And Violet, Sinatra, and Super, they had a lot of moments where they won battles that they shouldn't have any any uh, chance of winning. It kind of felt like we were facing... The Titans, like teams face the Titans. They, they they have a fight and everything looks good. We get the first couple of picks and then the Titans would flip that table on you and, and win. And that's kind of how it felt against San Francisco. There were a few occasions there that we were definitely in it. And, you know, Sinatra goes Super Saiyan or whatever. And he has that moment where, well, uh, sorry for going back to basketball, like... Uh, a LeBron James moment against a, a team that is clearly better than, than Cleveland was in 2016 against Golden State. But you can always have a team uh, be carried by superstars. And the Titans, they have a lot of great players in every position, but we never saw really, I think, a, a whole series carried by a single person. They never had to. Maybe in a different meta, it might happen. But Sinatra, despite... I don't think Sinatra is uh, much better than Salman is on Azaria. But he has that crazy carry potential where he does things that, you know, he shouldn't be able to do. Uh, and Salman he he's great when he when he plays as part of it, like as a team, team-based play. Well, you look and never like... Yeah. Sinatra was better on Sunday. Well, definitely. And the thing about Sinatra being better on Sunday, he was better on Sunday despite shanking grabs. Like, yep. There were two or three grabs that he completely misfired, or yep. if he wasn't misfiring them, got wrong. And despite that, he was still at an you know a higher level. Uh, Violet was just unreal. Yeah, like I, I, Violet to me is is the differentiator there, and that's taking nothing away from Super, who I thought played really well. Um, Rascal probably not as well of of mm-hmm. all the shock. Moth was okay. Uh, Jobin was fine, but it felt to me that the Titans would make a mistake, and the shock would take advantage of every single yeah. one. Whereas when Sinatra, yeah, Sinatra's grabs are like bumper shatters. He basically has them in cooldown, so. He- Throws a bunch of them, but you're totally right there. He had one on the cart, right? So, well, yeah, he had one on the cart. He had one on the corner of the wall in Blizzard World. Um, that that completely altered the economy, and the Titans started to roll. If it wasn't for a super counter shatter, you know, things might have been different. I, the, it just felt like when the Shock made a mistake, the Titans didn't seem to be able to take advantage. Uh, it almost felt to me that they were playing, they were playing more reserved or more tentative style of of goats san francisco you know brought the aggression and i think when the titans started to almost okay well if they're going to be aggressive let's allow us to be less it played away from what brought them success they might not win again you know two teams going balls out one of them still has to lose i i just wonder what might have been up if there was something but again i mean this as i said earlier this is actually good 
it's good for the Overwatch League to have yeah. top two top tier teams. We've got an established rivalry. Mm-hmm. You looked at the shot going into this, like they they played the comms for the stage one playoff, and, and you've got Super and Sinatra talking about how the Titans they're sloppy, they're no good. I bet you if we listen to the comms leading into the stage two final, they're talking about let's focus on our game. I think they're what what happened to them in stage one allowed them to become the powerhouse they are in stage two. And my hope is that this also allows the Titans just to effectively come into stage three and go ham uh, with the fine print being despite meta changes that may come up. You're absolutely right. They actually showed uh, after they won the first map, uh, they showed uh, some of the comms. Unfortunately, they didn't show much after that game, but they did show how, I think it was Sinatra said, Oh, remember what happened last time when we won first map? These guys come back stronger after they lose. Mm-hmm. We did, we did come back. So that was really uh, a nice pointer there. Uh, yeah, it's the mental game. They came hungrier, I think. And uh, yeah, they basically outplayed us mentally, more aggressive. And after that Gibraltar uh, fumble, uh, I think the Titans' body language within the game, uh, I should call it, was. You know, it wasn't, we weren't in our natural habitat as the dominant, as the initiator. We didn't, we weren't proactive as we should have been. And I think they got like their confidence got, got shaken a bit there. Which is strange to, to talk about, right? Yeah. Um, like before we go too far, I think, I think last week on the episode, I, I had mentioned, uh, compared, I compared the shock to the Houston Rockets, which is which is a reference completely lost on Chris. But <laughs> but but essentially, it was a team that talked a lot of smack, but never really won anything. So so you know, my hats off to them. Not re- I'm not uh I'm not unwilling to admit when I'm wrong. Like hey, they they won something. It's it's a real rivalry now, right? Um and and speaking of the but speaking of the aggression from the shock, I I think it was calculated aggression. And what I mean by that is is sh- sure the shock did definitely took it to to the Titans, but but I think if you watch Super's play carefully, he he was getting supported a lot by by his team, and he'd step back when he was low mm-hmm. versus you know versus Bumper, who's well, F, always been Bumper. Yeah, F he just, he just goes ham, right? Either, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so so even though they were being super aggressive, they they were very smart about it. They knew when to back off. They knew when to pull away from fights. They knew when to to continue. And and like this stage compared to to the first stage finals, and not just because the the Titans won, I actually feel like the it, from my memory the Shock were better in in round one, and the, and of course the Titans were also better. Um, it's not it's not that the Shock came out and and played a perfect game. I think they had plenty of mistakes, just like the Titans did. But for whatever reason, the dice wasn't rolling for the Titans, and they weren't capitalizing on on the Shock's mistakes. Even even when they threw whole maps, like when we talk about Paris, that should have been devastating, right? Like we talk about momentum turns, like after you know getting full hold, full held, past tense English, what? Um, full held on a map that they picked, that should have been devastating. But instead. What happened was was one of the worst maps I've ever seen the Titans play. They basically gave um, like point one away on Gibraltar on defense, and and yeah. and for whatever reason they did come back on offense, and they somehow managed to complete the map. But they just gave away so much free space. It it, it didn't it didn't seem Titan like, and and frankly speaking, between that and the the Blizzard World map on uh, when we played NYXL, it didn't seem like the Titans were at their best this weekend 
in, in all honesty speaking. And that's not making excuses. I think the better team won. Um, but but something's off. We should uh, ban fire noodles. <laughs> ban or or ban. give them so many that they become immune to its effects. <laughs> what doesn't kill you simply makes you stronger. <laughs> exactly. Well, as we know, the, the Titans did lose. We've talked about the fact that this sets up stage three final, which I think will be phenomenal. Uh, there was some talk in, in the official Discord where I'm like, oh, is it going to be a happy podcast? going to be a sad podcast? No, this is happy. I genuinely thought that, one, this is good for the Overwatch League. I think it's good for the Titans. And I... <laughs> I'm not happy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it still sounds like you're laughing while crying. You know, if you want to cry, you got to go all in. <laughs> but I do want to bring up something that uh, Michael actually found uh, on, on Twitter after the match. So uh, when the Titans, you know, win or lose all the, you know, the team players, they start tweeting, they, you know, GG. And, you know, if we didn't do well, we'll do better. What have you. So there were tweets from both Janu and twilight that Michael translated and the translations. And again, this is, you know, just me paraphrasing here. So here's one from Janu. My personal opinion is that I haven't adapted to a good lifestyle here in LA. I pull all nighters often. My neck discs have gotten weaker and I'm frustrated at my body because this is a situation where I haven't maintained a good physical condition. And then the other tweet, which was from Janu on a similar vein, that tweet is, this is the first time we've lost since coming to the overwatch league. I couldn't concentrate like usual, and there were many mistakes. It's very unfortunate that our 19-match win streak is over. I will rest well during the break and come back stronger for Stage 3. Thank you, and an apologies to the fans who cheered us on despite the late match time. That being, I was presumed, Korean fans. Mm -hmm. The theme that I'm finding here in both of these is that, one, there is that transition to, to L.A., um, being a tough one. And we've talked about that on previous episodes. Like this is, these are kids who are, are coming to, you know, somewhere that they're not familiar with and getting into a, a situation that is extremely intense. And I guess I should actually go back to, to Janu who went on to say that he's going to Korea and immediately will get things treated at the hospital, make sure he shows much better performance next stage. Now, could it be that the Titans had become, stressed out I mean, mental health is uh, something that's plagued other teams in the overwatch league. So there's no reason why the Titans should be immune. Might this break be what is needed for the Titans to recharge? And could those batteries have simply run out? Definitely. It's the best time that they could have lost. I think in a season, they have the longer uh, break and despite of, uh, I don't know, the ease of transition, at least professionally, where they won the, basically all the matches until the last one. That you know, that goal of of, of pushing yourself to having those perfect records. You you know, uh, the human psyche for some of these ultra competitive people is even though it's easy, I'll, I'll I'll invent those challenges to myself and try, for example, not lose a map or try to have a perfect uh, stage. This is super stressful. And when you get the taste of success, you kind of get high off of it and, and you, you don't stop. 
But as we heard from last seasons, a lot of the people, uh, players coming from Korea, this transition is not easy. So, so these guys, I'm sure they were like uh, going off of the you know adrenaline of having those wins after one after another, one after another, and they couldn't and they didn't probably didn't really take care of themselves. You know, didn't sleep well, didn't eat well. Uh, it's a huge physical uh, blow on your body to transition to like a different diet, different weather. So I'm happy they have that time to recuperate, to uh, look back. And this is where you grow. This is where you uh, build yourself up back again because uh, you never really improve that much if you win all games, right? So that's a great opportunity for them to to bond together and, you know, pick each other up and just improve. Yeah, I guess, I guess just to highlight one word that might alarm a lot of, you know, outside people looking in. Um, when when Janu says he's going to go back home and he's going to go to a hospital, um, there's there's a cultural thing here in Korea. It's pretty common to go to a hospital when you're sick. So so you can kind of read that to as an equivalent to to us going to see see a family doctor or something like that. It's something to do with their health care. I I don't know, and I'm not trying to teach Korean culture. There's much better people for that. Um, but but just just to kind of dial it down a little bit, like he's not he's not getting checked out. He's not going to check into a ward or, or something like that. Um, he you know he he's not he's feeling unhealthy and he needs to go to a doctor. Um, that that's kind of like the takeaway from it. So I think that kind of dials it down just just a slight notch versus like, oh, this guy's going in to get surgery for something or, or something. What what I guess North Americans would think of as as a doctor. Um, and and I think the other thing to imagine, we talked about this way back when when before the season started, when there were no games um, being played. Like you have to imagine, like when you're when you're living in Korea, I'll, I'll give very simple sample examples. If you feel like you want to drink a Pepsi, you want to go eat fried chicken or, or whatever it is, you walk downstairs within two blocks, there's going to be something there. So you just go to your favorite lo- local neighborhood store, get what you always order, uh, walk back up, bring it back up to your apartment, go on with your day. When you're living in LA, that is not possible. Now you add to the fact that they don't really speak English. So every time they eat anything, they got to go bring Harsha with them. And, and, you know, Harsha could be judging them or whatever they're eating or whatever. Like if, if slime wants some Twizzlers or something like that, and then they got to probably drive out. I I'm presuming where they live is going to be a little bit isolated to, to whatever the nearest store just, and this is just food, right? I'm like talking about a very like nominal juvial thing, a juvenile thing. And, and so imagine like, I think everything about overwatch that is their, that is their actually calm away from their real life when they're in the game, when they're on the stage, that's a safe haven because that's the same everywhere. It's everything else that they need to adjust to, right? The maybe the maybe the, most of these guys are kids, right? Maybe they lived at home and they had mom's cooking, and mom just decided what was healthy for them, what was unhealthy for them. When you move out for the first time, or you know, when when people go to college for the first time, and they talk about the freshman fifteen. Um, it's because now we have all this freedom. We eat whatever the hell we want, and our health suffers because of that. Um, that being said, I mean, like the Titans have cooking and it's not really the point I'm trying to make, but just, just, there's so many examples that I can draw from where, when you're 19, 20 and you're moving to an entirely new country with a new language and a new culture and everything is new and, and everything you, you say and do is amplified because you're in your own world, somewhat of a celebrity, that's weird pressure. Like, can you imagine some of these guys probably never, this might be their first job, right? Like. That's that's crazy to me, and I struggled a lot with my first job, and I was like working retail or, or something like that, right? Um, so so these these things like are real. The Overwatch League 
really does need to have a better kind of transition plan into place. I'm I'm doing a lot of hockey references today, but but a lot of times what we call rookies when they're first years, second years in in the league, um, what they do is they'll they'll find someone on the staff or a senior player. Um, one of the most famous examples is is a Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby with the Penguins, where where Crosby actually lived with Lemieux's family for the first couple of years as he was getting accustomed to becoming a professional, like where where are the where's like the mom love coming in for these guys right like that's something that the teams need to be looking at the the league could be looking at um but just to throw something out there like that they need to bring flower Vin over that's the that's the answer <laughs> i think she's a little bit busy with her right now Hold on. Uh, they're done too it's all good well i think that's enough of the payload so we're going to take a short break before we jump into the fray Gentlemen, it is All-Star Week, which kind of is a misnomer. It's more like All-Star Midweek in the Overwatch League. That is right on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. But for you, today, you're going to be able to watch the Talent Takedown, the Widowmaker 1v1 quarterfinals and semifinals, the All-Star Arcade, as well as the Widowmaker 1v1 final. First and foremost, one... Why are they starting this on Wednesday? Two, why are they doing everything on Wednesday? Because on Thursday, it is just the official all-star game itself. Are you guys amped and excited for this? Or are you like, eh, it's an all-star game. It's like any other sport. It's for the kids and people to have fun and the sponsors to have activations and all that. Maybe I'm a little jaded. Um, I loved all-star games when I was a kid. Like I remember going to the NHL star game when it was here. It was in Vancouver. Uh, I used to watch the uh, baseball star game back before basketball was dead to me. I used to watch <laughs> the NBA all star game. Now eh, I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. I like, I was hyped for it last year and, and was quite disappointed. I liked some of the one V one matchups, but the game itself, it's kind of like a mess. Uh, it's fun to see all the players come in uh, and have have a good time. But I guess it's like part of, you know, the the, the break between the two stage between stage two and three. I'm not really as hyped for it. I'm happy to see a bunch of our players uh, up here. But yeah, it's it's nothing serious. None, there's there are no ramifications. The best level of Overwatch you'll see in Overwatch League, not in the All Star. So. Well, you get to- it's a problem. It's a problem that all like classic sports have too. So I guess we're not immune to that. So the thing with the All Star Game for for classic sports is the argument is always it's for the kids, right? Like so, it's like you get to see the best players playing with each other, that kind of stuff. Do you think that applies to to Overwatch in in considering like the how primary we are in terms of the league's history? Yeah, I think it's uh, well to us because we're all old here. It's <laughs> for the kids by the kids. So <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like, really, like, are do you do you think there's younger fans out there that are like sure. genuinely excited to see? I guess 
Yeah, know, like some of their favorite not, players play with each other. Exactly. Not just younger kids, but maybe the more casual fan uh, where you see players like Pine get voted in who, who didn't play for a minute during the, uh, this season or, or players like uh, who else do we have there? Carpe, who wasn't really that great. You, you get them the more recognizable players, at least from season one on the stage so you you get the more casual fan involved those people who who definitely not watch all four games or five games you have every day in the week um pretty much it i guess yeah well the the all-star game like i guess there's a for the kids part i am old everyone's a kid but i just feel that it's first of all odd that they're doing it midweek like on a wednesday night so it's a school night it runs real late like who is it that they're looking to to cater to or is the timing more related to the potential audience because if we were to consider as it gets later it's good well good for asian uh, kids who should be in school i guess because again it's midweek like it, there there is so much about this that that i'm curious about like was the venue not available blizzard arena is booked this weekend like that's the part that that i can't quite understand you're not going to like the answer. They're all watching NBA finals. They didn't even like, uh, it feels a bit more, I don't know, rushed. Maybe we don't even know who will, who's going to play like in the vid- widow one V ones. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to find that out. It's gotta be bumper versus super. Yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. Bump, bumper is going to go Hanzo in the vid- widow one V one. That's going to be pretty nice. Well, to share a few other details about the all-star week. It's still rough for me to say. Uh, if you happen to be watching on Twitch, the uh, command center is going to be available to you on a free trial. So check it out if you want to see all the individual, you know, player angle, player cameras, and and I kid you not, um, potentially, you know, get motion sickness because, man, do some of these guys have like sensitive dial up. Uh, it's also two times league co- tokens. So if you're still, you know, banking on getting some seriously, uh, you know, sweet skins. Uh, two times tokens for the hour as you're watching are going to be granted. The 100 token drops that uh, you know nice. Omni gets six of in one day. Um, <laughs> I never got them, and I got like twice in the same week. That was pretty nice. Uh, mine are still all going to my PC Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> so the 100 token drops are unchanged. So that's not double. Um, as far as the event itself, so the talent takedown is essentially uh, the. Well, it says teams of Overwatch League players, casters, and analysts for a three-map set. Now, I would have loved to have just seen it as sort of casters and analysts with maybe like a a player coach or something. So I'm not sure how that will break out. But they're going to play 6v6 lockout elimination, escort, and control. And the players are going to be casting the match. Oh, that's nice. The Widowmaker 1v1 is a headshots only elimination bracket. They'll have a quarterfinal, semifinal. It's first to seven. Finals are first to nine. Uh, no assault, That's too long. fire, no capture point, reveal enemies after 60 seconds. Like, eh, whatever. And then the All-Star Arcade is, uh, well, it's like traditional four maps, potential tiebreaker map. It was based on, on people voting. So map one, sibling rivalry, it's 6v6, which is Genji's and Hanzo's. So three of each on each team on Hanamura. Uh, map two is healers never die. 6v6 supports only one hero on Nepal. Uh, map three, terrible, terrible damage. 6v6 damage only, one hero limit hybrid on Hollywood. And uh, map four is keeping the peace. 6v6, McCree only, escort, route 66. So that's- oh, 
that's sweet. Uh, tiebreaker is thanks, but no tanks. 6v6, no tanks, one hero limit, hybrid, blizzard world. The problem is there's no tanks in any of them. So why would you call something thanks, but no tanks? <laughs> I guess you can play like DPS and support here. Yeah, well, it's everyone, but yeah, exactly. Uh, the solution to ghosts. Yeah, it, it, it's really, I mean, again, I, they're having fun with it. That's fine. It's like, you know, traditional sports, you know, the, uh, in NHL, it's the skills competition. Uh, in the NBA, it's the, you know, slam dunk contest, what have you. Uh, <gasps> and then on Thursday, it's your traditional, you know, Pacific versus Atlantic competing for bagging rights in a first to four map series with competitive uh, settings. And uh, players on each team must play at least one map and blah, 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 fun stuff. Do they have like a cash prize there? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't think there's any money involved. I, I th- I think they get to keep their jersey, but then we all have to burn our <laughs> eyes. Okay, I, Those jersey colors are so ugly. I don't mind the Atlantic jersey. The purple one is nice. The one yeah, we got is kind of like... I'm little. not a big fan, but I can tolerate Atlantic. I did The Pacific is... is uh, maybe it's a color thing. Maybe it's just a color. It's a color. The, the styling of the jersey is actually pretty nice, and it's yeah, great yeah. over, over the the league jerseys. It's just the colors. Like you, you have the whole rainbow, man. Just pick something. Yeah, I guess we are the mustard division now. So gross. Well, enough of the All Star Week. Let's talk about some moves. So uh, the biggest move since our last episode, uh, the Valiant have acquired Shax, who's DPS, and. Okay, I, I was sitting here, and I'm like, how do you pronounce S-C-T-S-C-T-N? Like, is it F-C-T? Fact fiction. The fact fiction, okay. yeah. Fact fiction. I, I, was, I was trying to search it. Like, how does one Google the pronunciation of fact fiction <laughs> as a main tank from Mayhem Academy? And then McGravy, who was essentially out of favor in uh, Florida, uh, off tank, is all been exchanged. So Shaq's fact fiction and McGravy were fate. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes sense because, one... Fate is joining now that all Korean roster and mayhem. And for the Valiant, they were making changes that quote unquote, not that, you know, the Korean players have fallen in a favor. Just they're trying to mm-hmm. take a more blended approach. Any thoughts here about this move? I don't know. I like it for the, the, you know, mayhem and Valiant. <laughs> they definitely need a lot of changes. So they're trying a bunch of stuff, I guess, space and fate. Fate used to be like, renowned as one of the best main tanks in the league last season, but he was playing a lot with Fury. Maybe his synergy with space is not that great. Uh, now with McGravy coming in uh, off the bench. Fact Fiction is one of the OGs, so to speak. He's been uh, playing a while now in the Overwatch scene. I'm happy to see him uh, play a bit in the Overwatch he league. He was we'll a Team USA main tank before uh, yeah. Muma took his, took his job. We'll see how it goes. McGravy, again, I like seeing uh, those uh, old-timers getting another shot at OWL. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. I mean, practically speaking, it's two bottom-tier teams trading with each <laughs> yeah. other. So, so I, it's like, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that, but so okay. Like, yeah, I'll be the bad guy today. Like, it doesn't, doesn't move a needle, all honestly speaking. Um, but sure, keep doing stuff. <laughs> Well, speaking of doing stuff, uh, the Mayhem did not stop there. They also added Byram from NRG. He's a flex support. Now, uh, whether or not uh, Byram will get an opportunity to play in the Overwatch League right away is up in the air. uh, Because I guess he was uh, busted for boosting? 
<gasps> and uh, hmm. didn't get himself a, well, I mean, the difficulty here is the Overwatch League now has, you know, their discipline report and they do punish for things that occurred prior to a player being in the Overwatch League. Right. So, but they're, they feel much more lenient this season, I guess. Yeah. I, like some of the, sorry. No, no, I just, it's, it's, you know, something that, that, you know, could come into play, but anyhow, is. Uh, Yes. Who's their current flex support right now? Um, uh, well, with Florida, Hagopian. Yeah, I think it's sure. Hagopian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's see. So we had that, and then another sort of move of note. So the team manager for uh, the Paris Eternal, Lisa Lingvall, has chosen to leave the team. Uh, Lisa had said that she would go and and share the reasons for the departure at a later date. Those reasons have yet to be shared, though those in the know suggest that it's very similar to uh, Kate leaving the Justice and uh, some of the pressure that that sh- or, or um, harassment that she, she would have received being involved. Is there, really? is there an issue here I, I, that the Overwatch League needs to figure out? And even whether they do or they don't, is there anything that they can do about it? Because like we look at we look at Kate when she was leaving the Justice, she called out Reddit. And there isn't anything yeah. anyone can do to control Reddit. Like I, I find it kind of surprising uh, for saying that Lisa had some issues similar to Kate, because that's the first time I ever hear her name, really. So that's why I'm kind of, uh, that's weird to me, because... Uh, despite what happened to Kate and nothing justifies the type of attention or harassment that she received. Uh, she was kind of at least, you know, going out there and, and trash talking a bunch of times. I'm not, not sure if the same applies here, but I assume that that's the right case with the weird uh, notion of, of I'll, I'll say later what happened, but not now, but yeah, I'm, I'm not that familiar with the with the case or the management for uh, Paris. Yeah, I mean, the tweet that she had shared is, I've decided to part ways with the Paris Eternal. More context to my decision will be shared later on. My players and coaches are incredibly hardworking and caring, as it's difficult to say goodbye to them. I'm also looking forward to move back home to Sweden and new opportunities. Now, the no one truly knows, you know, her reasons for leaving. It could be that it's just she's looking for change. It could be that maybe there was a mutual decision. I think the reason that I, I, I ask this question is that first and foremost, we've talked about this before, you know, female gamers, female um, you know, players, women in sport in general, you know, face an undue amount of harassment that men don't, which is completely nuts. It is reality, however. And yes. At some point in time, organizations need to do what they can to come out and make a strong stand. And that's not to suggest that the Overwatch League is not doing enough, but could they do more? Um, could we see more, you know, more women involved? Like I, I'll actually use basketball as, as a, a point of reference. I think Adam Silver was quoted as saying he wants more women involved in, in the sport, whether it be in coaching, whether it be in officiating, uh, and, you know, you see a league taking a leadership role. 
Chris, look at you bringing bringing out the basketball knowledge. Hey, okay, just recent just, re, recent news too. Just because it's dead to me doesn't mean I don't read the newspaper. Which again is probably <laughs> also lost on many people that there are these things called newspapers. Uh, I definitely agree. Uh, Overwatch League, we talked about that sensitive issue. Uh, the, the world of gaming, and I and I hate to be generalizing, but you know what, we, we kind of deserve it. A lot of toxicity, a lot of uh, racial issues, a lot of uh, sexism abound in this environment. And and Overwatch League and Blizzard have shown to be kind of an outlier, not in the way that it's clear from all of those, but when you look at the audiences in the Overwatch League, when you look at uh, some of the you know the participating players, both in management, you would not see that in other esports so that's at least a positive that doesn't mean that we still don't have a ways to go we do there's still issues like you said with with kate and what we see in here what can they do well i'm sure there are much smarter people than me um uh talking about it but but definitely like something that adam silver had suggested why why not give them you know uh, a little bit more access to roles to media positions definitely when we have uh more uh people making decisions also at the top brass i'm sure that like if, if we all always look up on on blizzard and and how they will try to enforce some more parity both in a gender or you know more uh, or represent more diversity well what do they do in their management do they have in their boardrooms the people who make decisions do it do they have the same level of representation and i'm sure that if, if they will they might be coming up with more smart decisions on that issue yeah and i again it's it is a sense of the subject it's just one that i feel is important that we continue we continue to talk about just so that you know we don't hide from an issue that does that does need to be you know looked at in the light of day the problem definitely well i've i've always wondered why there aren't more more female professional players right i i I feel like we've talked about this before but the whole thing with with traditional sports there's there's a physical element that that we can't argue against right like if all the basketball players are seven feet tall and you have a really tall female <laughs> basketball player that's six five, there's there's a half a foot difference, right? Yeah. But with gaming, it's 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 keyboard and mouse, right? Like, why are there not more Gregorys out there? Well, I think there are because these the, they there are, but these things take time because a player like Gregory doesn't just show up. She needs to be raised or or playing games without being you know harshly. Uh, called out every time she goes on voice comms and stuff like that. If we are transitioning to a more accepting environment where, where players don't just get toxic and and shout horrible, horrible things that that I hear occasionally on on my ladder. uh, How, how do we get to a point where we have more players like that? Hopefully uh, using the systems that we have in place for reporting such, you know, language in the games where we continue talking about it, that this is a true issue and it's not something that you can just, you know, use uh, the mask of anonymity and, and being really uh, sorry for the language, but yeah, these systems in place in time will produce more gigurus hopefully. And then having a gigurus right now is incredible because she shows, 
you know, the younger generation of girls that this is actually possible. And and I'm really happy that we have her and we have, I think, two more players in, in Tier 2. And it's pretty exciting times. We have a bunch of successful uh, streamers on Twitch. And if you want to help, just go and watch their streams, follow and support them. They're incredible players. And and don't be creepy. Yeah. That that is key. <laughs> I, I think I think we all need to be, be more accountable to to each other as well. Just just in general, like that that is the biggest problem in my opinion with with esports today is is there's just so much that we can do to hide behind our usernames. Um, and and the major thing about esports is is we get to see these the people behind the keyboards now. They're not just keyboard warriors. They're the real people working hard at their craft. Um, but, but in terms of esports in general, like what, like I work in the tech world and, and to me, that's the number one problem that needs to be solved is, is how can you bring accountability to this community where people can just say whatever and get away with it. And then that, you know, therein lies the rub because the, the system and not maybe so the system, the systems, you know, platforms like social media, Twitter, Reddit, uh, Facebook, which Omni's mom still uses apparently. Um, <laughs> she does. I she do does. too. So maybe that's saying something. But the, <laughs> the problem is that the ability to remain anonymous is present, and I don't think there is a solution to fix that. It's just, uh, you know, what you said something on me that really resonated with me as to the to what women will hear when they go on comms. Some of the stuff that is said to me, and I, I'm a grown ass man here, is horrid. But those same people, they hear a female voice on comms. And they go and they amp it up a notch further. Like that is, that is right. wrong. That is wrong on so many levels. We need to be better. Now, I know we have parents listening to this podcast. If you have kids that game, talk to them about the importance of being good to other people. Talk to them about the importance of being good to people that they don't know. Like uh, to use the Bill and Ted example, be excellent to each other. If you are a young player, think about what it is you say. Words matter. And that's what I think needs to change. We need to reinforce that simply being anonymous doesn't give you a pass to be, I'm going to swear here. You guys are bad people. Um, no, I'm kidding. You guys are making a very important point, and I am 100% on board. And and I think to take it one step further, like if you hear this kind of behavior going on, like the the general consensus, and I know this, and, and I know I sound preachy here, is to just just let it slide, right? Don't be that guy. I'm asking all of you, please be be that guy or that girl. Like call them out on it, right? Like it's if it's not acceptable, it's not acceptable. And yeah. and sometimes all, that's all it takes. Always report. <laughs> moving on from this subject that i think i actually got us the three of us a little fired up let's talk a little bit about the grand finals they've been announced they're going to be in philadelphia is any of us going how do you get to philly again? Well, apparently you don't fly direct from vancouver uh yeah it's a budgetary issue here <laughs> i i don't know if i'll be going to be honest i i was hoping it'd be somewhere in the west coast somewhere close and I, I, was, I mean we home. were talking about that at the the last unofficial watch party where if it was west coast it might make it practical and um, you know axel who uh some of you may know from the official discord or from the the watch parties at uh, railway he was talking to us about it as well philly yeah I'm, I'm happy for philadelphia you know being in the is it the wells fargo center they're gonna be in i think 
I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Flyers aren't oh, using yeah, it. That's true. Um, I think it'll be a great event. It's just difficult. I mean, for us in Vancouver, it's hard to get to. Sure. It's going to be a connection through somewhere. And you might say, ah, Chris, that's not a big deal. Well, it kind of is. And then there's the the money issue. Yeah. I mean, not to say I won't necessarily go. Hey, anyone want to sponsor RSP? Let's send us there. Great. But yeah. I might be watching it on Twitch. Hey, we all live in Vancouver. It's expensive here. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I don't. I does your place, you know, have room for my wife and daughter on me? Because I could probably sell my place and afford to go. Uh. <laughs> Maybe we could stay at Elaine Vino's place in Philly. It's true. And for those who don't know, AV used to be the coach here in Vancouver for the Vancouver Connects. Um, other news: uh, the Overwatch League is going to have training cards from Upper Deck. Are you already starting to open up packs to get your a rare Defran card? You know what this is? This is loot boxes IRL. <laughs> Stay away, kids! It's gambling. So I like, I remember back in the day when I collected hockey cards. Uh, you know, it was they were all the rage. Like there were card stores everywhere, and then they fell out of fashion. I'm surprised that trading cards are still a thing. Like mm. I, I get that. I love trading cards. That was, that was my original collecting thing. I think I still have my boxes somewhere in the back there, like over 2000 oh, cards. What did you collect? All, all, all worthless uh, basketball cards, hockey yeah. cards. No, See, I just had hockey. I don't, they're all gone about, I actually have cards still. I have uh, like OG magic, the gathering uh, TC. Oh, I have a lot of Pokemon yeah. cards too. Yeah. I had a, a bunch as well, but I, I again, upper deck, good quality product it's just interesting to me that that overwatch is is partnering with them but again hey i i may not realize that there is a, a market to tap into and hey partnership means money right yeah overwatch league is just a trendsetter trying to blur the lines between traditional and esports yeah. well they already the more power to them you know, bud light as a sponsor so open yeah open a pack of cards and Drink dead bud. Uh, and then finally, before we get into some rumor mongering, uh, Havana is now live. I have yet to play the map, but granted, I haven't oh. been home for very long. Uh, and as a result, have yet to have the opportunity to jump in. But have either of you, you know, played Havana? Even Sam on console can because it's live. Yeah, I'm not downloaded the last patch yet. <laughs> I know I'm grinding competitive now really hard, so I, I couldn't care less until it's in competitive. I mean, we did play it a bunch in uh, the event, but not in its current form. Yeah, yeah so. and that's the thing is the what we see in the event and what we see now is slightly different. Um, from what I've heard, it's been a well-received map. Like, it's not, you know, Paris. There are a lot of people that don't like Paris. Um, there's a lot of people that don't like Numbani, which surprisingly had disappeared from competitive, but now is back in the mix. Yeah. Uh, Havana, though, it seems that the, the the feedback so far has been relatively positive. Uh, competitive. Should I set foot competitive again? Do you, th- do you think it's time that I finally find out what my SR really is? Yeah, you can carry me. You should just set your expectations properly. You know, I would I would choose Ryan. They'd see me with the Titans skin and guaranteed accuse me of throwing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, also like open an alt account and say like bumper junior or something like that it'll be nice nice smurf um the thing however as far as rumor mongering is concerned there are reports that the overwatch league is going to introduce the 222 lock for stage three 
Do you think that will actually happen? Bring it. Yeah. I I think it will. I think it will. It, it was very apparent that they are trying to kill goats and they did a lot. They did a lot. But I think that it's kind of similar to what happened in Brood War where uh, a lot of people assumed that they figured out how the game is played and then a lot of time passed and then they found an, uh, an OP build that was always there, but nobody just figured it out yet. And I think the way the game is designed from the ground up we just didn't know that yet because everybody loves playing DPS and it seems the logical thing to do. But I think that once you have that tank support, you know, combination, it's just OP and broken. You can't really beat it uh, on most cases unless you just kill them, right? This, the the tankiness of the tanks and the healing prowess of the supports. And then you kind of ruin the game itself. So, yeah, you, you definitely, if you want to have the game more entertaining, more fun to play and, and Overwatch is a business both in the league itself and in you know players like you guys or me we have to do something about it and this is a titans podcast don't get me wrong i like seeing our team winning but i would enjoy it much more if we uh, get to see more variety in the meta more dps players because because these are the big stars right we remember all the plays uh all the different strats, different pop-off moments, and, 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 and I miss those. We had a few, but far, far, far from the amounts that we had last year. It's sad to see the, like, the pl- best players in the world uh, just dried out on the bench or even worse, playing Brig. <laughs> I actually hate it. I'm complete, completely reverse. And, and, and the major thing for me is... is- I think I think the gut reaction would be like, oh no, there's there's not going to be goats. That's actually not my gut reaction. I really enjoyed when when people pull like a quad DPS or just do all sorts of wacky yeah. stuff in wacky situations. And when it's locked in, I feel like that restricts the the coaching, the playbooks, the the different kind of sneaky, fun surprise comps that that may just come out. Yeah. Um, especially like you, you won't get to see like the, the wrecking ball come out at the last second because they're, they're trying to stall or something like that. Right. Because, because you already had two, two tanks locked in, mm. um, those kind of situations will be, will be completely gone. And I actually think you're kind of narrowing the, the idea of, of overwatch itself down. Like, like I, I want to see someone try and use brig instead of, instead of that extra off tank, um, just because they have a little bit blocking or whatever. Um, that, that to me is kind of unique and, and creative and, and locking in the two, two, two zaps that creativity. Um, I'd say I'd, I'd be more in favor of making the guns bigger. If tanks are too tanky, than then make bigger guns. So the issue here, again, I think two problems needed to be solved. You either go, you, you can also solve it by mm, going locking one 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 so you gotta have like one dps mm-hmm. one tank and one support and, and other uh, and the other three can be whatever or just uh i don't know that like buffing defense uh, buffing the damage would be also problematic because because they have a philosophy that they're really adamant on keeping where they um use the same balance approach both for the pro play and both for the latter in which and 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 in this world it's really hard to find that sweet sweet spot where you have both entertaining games for the pros and where you don't want to kill yourself after playing a casual uh, game of uh, competitive at home so and they they are adamant about trying to have the same patch played both on the stage and you know on our clients so 
that's that's probably the the biggest challenge for them to to, to balance both worlds because those are obviously different games of Overwatch, right? And <laughs> unless you're like a GM or top five hundred, and even there you see a, a huge gap of 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 the style of play, the level of play, the the coordination. Obviously, you're talking about people who who play play the game all day and and they have coaching and they play with the same six stack essentially all the time i so i'm i'm somewhat with sam here i'm not a big fan of the two 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 but i'd be willing to accept the one 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 now the one 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 doesn't eliminate goats it simply allows the somber goats or a variation to still exist but the reason i don't I'm not a fan of the two, two, two is because you're, you're, you are restricting creativity. You're essentially saying our game does not allow for the, the best meta to be possible because the best meta isn't one that teams are capable of playing in such a manner that either one excites our fans or, or allows teams to have balance. Again, there's a number of reasons and any one of them is valid or invalid, depending on which side of the perspective you you stand on. But what I actually, I read today, and this is actually a post on, on Reddit uh, from, I guess it's scamps or five camps. Uh, If you want to search for it, it's there's a horse meta brewing on ladder. And uh, you know what this, this uh, Redditor, discovered having gone through and looking at some of the statistics is that Orissa is a big pick right now and other picks that are now starting to to go up roadhog mercy widow torb so it seems to me that there is the potential of new meta based on the current patch as percolating now does that make it better than goats not necessarily goats is, requires a lot of coordination that just simply people on ladder aren't going to be able to go and and uh, put together in pugs, but I, I just feel that going two 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 is you you. It would be no different in like the NHL saying that uh, you know this team is too competitive, so we're going to go and apply restrictions, bring them mm-hmm. down to the level of others. It's like not being able to pull your goalie. Yeah, yeah, but the pros, the the issue is that these metas, they will always find them out, and and it takes a while to get to them. But once they kind of break the system and figure it out, then we'll have the horse comp or whatever you want to call it. And then we'll <laughs> see. Terrible. Orissa kind of looks more like a cow to me, but <laughs> I mean, she has horns, right? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, the, yeah, I don't doesn't know. Give us a standard meta. Like, is it not possible that two 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 suddenly gives a standard meta, and ultimately people are then, oh my god, we're seeing the same thing over and over and over. Like, I, I was I was in one of the gaming um, communities I'm part of. Someone's saying, oh, I don't watch Overwatch because I see two teams line up with the exact same characters, pop their alts at the exact same time. That's not interesting. Two 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 doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see more DPS definitely yeah. because you are forced yeah, to do them. Yeah, exactly. We'd see more DPS because there has to be two of them. But we're going we're gonna to yeah. start. We're still going to see a lot of mirror. I mean, there will be some differentiation, but ultimately, you will find that the best players will discover the new meta, and the new there will always be a new meta. I, I just, yeah. I think, I think is um, so Bungie's approach to Destiny. One of the thoughts as to how Bungie approached Destiny as a game is that when given the choice of nerf or buff, 
nerf is always the answer. And what you started to see was a, a game exist in two different worlds, a PV and a PVP world, but PVP being the driver of all changes. So how do you, how do you effectively make PVP work? Well, you nerf, nerf, nerf. The problem is that then impacts your PVE experience. So you don't really buff there. Cause again, PVP becomes a problem. What that ultimately resulted in is weapon picks having to be required. You had to have must have Gallahorns cause Gallahorn at the time was OPAF. Well, we're seeing this in a game like Overwatch where, you know, we have analysts saying, oh, this team sucks at goats, but they got to go goats because how else do you play this map? It's a goats map. No, it's not. Sure, goats is successful, but if you have a team that can play to their strengths, you know, play to that. I think for Overwatch, playing to their strengths is allowing the creativity, allowing players to do what they do best, have fun playing games, doing it well. Anyhow, that's all I have to say about that. When you started talking about all these terms from uh, Destiny, I kind of understood how you feel when you talked about uh, the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) I was so lost there. (laughs) What the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Oh, man, I enjoyed Destiny 1, Destiny 2, not so much. So listeners out there, it's not just you. Omni and I are confused, too. You guys got to play more games. Anyhow, as we wrap up another episode of the Ready Set Pwn podcast, a few final thoughts. First and foremost, uh, we've been getting some Facebook recommendations. That's awesome. I've actually never had a Facebook recommendation for a podcast that I run. So that's cool. <laughs> if you are on Facebook and you have not yet joined our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash ready set poem. It would be awesome if you can recommend us. Like we the the best thing that you can do to our podcast is to help promote it. Share it with your friends, your family, um, you know, tweet it, Facebook it, heck put up posters. Like we should have some viral campaign where RSP posters are popped up around like different cities, different towns and take a picture, like share that with us so that we can see. I mean, a few episodes back, we had read that email we received uh, from someone who is, has learned an English language by listening to us and reconnecting with the team they loved in Korea. That's awesome. That's the stuff that drives us. So more of that will be awesome. Uh, send us a tweet at ready, set pone, and then emailing us, as I had mentioned earlier is feedback at ready, set pone.com. But, uh, Sam, uh, any final words of wisdom? Uh, I just liked us on Facebook. So well, I, I appreciate you follow my lead. Finally. Hey, actually speaking of, uh, liking on Facebook. Do you know, just followed me on Twitter, Michael. Me? Well, no, you followed me on Twitter a long time ago. I don't know why, but you did. Well, Michael just followed me on Twitter this week. I guess I'll follow Michael back. <laughs> on this, this is a live cast of us figuring out social media. <laughs> Words of wisdom there, Ani. Uh, add us on MySpace. Okay, first and foremost, we're not on a MySpace. If you find us in my space, <laughs> it's not us. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time, and it'll definitely be a happier episode. Final words for me. I floated the idea in our Discord, and I floated the idea on Twitter. Would you tune into a live pre-show? It might be audio to start, but I think it'd be kind of cool to have like a Q&A, some interaction with our listeners. If that's something you'd be interested in, let us know. I'm more than willing to put in the effort. I just wouldn't want to do that and have no one show up because those parties always suck. I mean, I already have to spend, you know, a couple of hours with Sam and Omni on my own, 
Imagine adding more. <laughs> Anyhow, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, as well as email, wherever it happens to be that you can reach us. But on behalf of Sam at another Sam channel, Omni at Omni Stripe, and myself, Chris at Lightforce, going to sign off this podcast with a live version of Hatchrays. Thank you.